When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nahida. And I'm DeFi250. And this is PvP Corner, the PvP podcast that, mark our words, will win three regionals in a row next season. You just watch. DeFi, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I had a good weekend. I got to visit with a friend, and her kid absolutely loves to watch Auntie Steph on the TV uh-huh. uh, on YouTube. So it's it's gets I get to be Auntie Steph, and we get to talk about Pokemon. <laughs> Took him to the bookstore, and he bought a Pokemon little trivia book. It was cute. Aww. So had a good had a good weekend. Also did some indoor mini golf. Just some. Just some fun, nice stuff this weekend. Tried to love some mini golf. Yes, tried tried to do some relaxing things. Mm. How about you? Uh, well, I spent the weekend in Melbourne, um, Pokemoning, <laughs> and uh, we will definitely talk about that. Uh, non Pokemon related stuff. I I uh, don't think there's too much to update. Oh, um, well, okay, so it's tangentially related to my Melbourne trip, but um, I had to. I generally fly out for these events on Friday and then fly back in on Monday. Fridays, I usually don't have work, so that's that's easy for me. Mondays, usually do, so I've got to take that, that day off. So I fly back in on Monday night. Tuesday morning, I rock up to work, and uh, the, the people that I'm, I'm uh, working with that day, they see me arrive, and they're like, oh, there he is. And I'm like, oh, well, hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep, glad to be back. <laughs> and they're like, "What happened yesterday?" And I'm like, "I don't know what happened yesterday." <laughs> and they were like, "Nobody turned up to work." Um, the the cover that they had that the boss had arranged just totally forgot that they'd been asked to cover it. So uh, this this was meant to be a poker game that I was running uh, at a at a bar, and um, uh, like thirty people had showed up and were all told, "Sorry, guys, guesses." Guess there's no game today. Go home, everyone. So that was my drama for the weekend. That's you can't be held responsible for that though, right? No, like, that's no, not I wasn't. your fault. Totally, yeah. No, the um the the person who was meant to be covering got a stern talking to, as far as I understand. <laughs> so but yeah, I got to just I I did have to explain to people that it wasn't my fault. Like so many people were, were coming to me saying, oh, did you just sleep in or something? And I'm like, well, that is something that I'm liable to do. <laughs> I can uh, attest. That, well, <laughs> that is, was... That's a fair first thought. <laughs> <laughs> that was not. Uh, also, a lot of people believed I was in Japan because they must have remembered me talking about it last year and, and thought that that's where I was this time. You wish, right? 
I certainly wish that was, I mean, that, that, uh, that month was one of the, the best months of my life. So yeah, I would love to have that back, but alas, life is happening in its stead. All right. Well, what else is happening is the go battle league and what's We're been happening really for you. Fish. That segue in there. <laughs> yep. Good. I force it. Um, go battle league. How's it going fish? Um, I haven't been doing as much this week, um, which normally it's funny because normally our dynamic is like, I don't get to watch the play Pokemon tournaments, but you've got that covered. You can do all the talking there. Uh, usually I'm the one who's done a lot of the GBL. You might not have done as much from week to week. So I get to talk about that a little more dropping the ball this week on that part. Cause like uh, mostly because of the Melbourne trip and partly because like, not super engaged with either of the metas that are happening at the moment have not done i've basically done like one to two sets per uh, day at best and playing mostly ultra league and i was running a team of shadow dragonite trevenant and alolan muck i have just done one battle swapping out alolan muck for alolan sandslash and i'm keen to see how that works because i think a lolan sandslash is actually like a really good pokemon in ultra league if you can avoid the fighters i have not played any ultra league so i can't really comment on it sure uh but because the team that i want to run the team that i've been seeing talked about in the btw server involves galarian wheezing and ultra league you Uh know what i don't have like not even close that (laughs) that um and it requires like it's not a hundo you could use a hundo but it's you want something that's kind of just under a a hundo i don't i'm not sure exactly what the rank one is um because it maxes at 2585 so it's got to be level 50 to be rank one yeah level 50 to be rank one but the rank one isn't a hundo it's like yeah, yeah. and it's not a zero fifteen fifteen either let's just look what is the rank one you might find it first let's see but i'm actually actively looking so ultra league galarian wheezing running fairy wind brutal swing and play rough eight fifteen fifteen. so kind of like yeah. your azu your old azumarill ivs so I don't yeah. have that. I don't have <laughs> anything close to that. And I think um, um, this is just going off the top of my head. I think if you do want to save some XL candy, you can, uh, you, and you happen to have a hundo, then you can use that. And you probably only have to build it to like 48 and a half or 49 rather than 50. Uh, in fact, I can probably look that up right now. Um, if you use a hundo, oh, it's only 47 level 47 so that's actually like a quite a reasonable saving yeah mm-hmm. saving like i don't know it's a but by, by the time you get from 49 to 50 i know that's 20 xls so like 20 40 you're probably probably saving like i don't know almost 100 candy in either case <laughs> <laughs> i don't really have one that i want to invest in so i've just been focusing on the hisui cup which i don't love I have not loved the Hisui Cup. The one thing about it that I do like is it's very predictable. (laughs) There are only a small handful of Pokemon that you are ever going to see. 
Gastrodon is one of them. It's on oh, basically yeah. every team, as well as Driftblim <laughs> is basically on every team. Yep. Frostlass, um, Toxicroak, Gliscor. That's that's the meta, essentially. I'm running an Empoleon, a Gliscor, and a Cresselia, which is the other one of the other very popular picks. Mm-hmm. I've seen some other fun things. Like I've run into a couple of Bomba Snows. Uh, I've run. There's one very frustrating team that is Gastrodon Double Bite. Ooh, so it's yeah. Gastrodon with a Shadow Dropion and a Shadow Skunk Tank. I can win with my team sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what the Dropion's running because it because if it's running that bite move set, a lot of times it's also running Felstinger, mm-hmm. which can be frustrating. Um, but it also has you know Aquatail Crunch. Um, but sometimes you also run into normal ones that are running like the Poison Sting. I'm trying to think of the most interesting thing. I've seen seen quite a few more uh, Hisuian Electrodes. I've seen some double Razor Leaf teams with like Grodel, Torterra, even the. Yep. Obama Snow. With Bastido? Yes. That <laughs> stinks. Um, I've seen a few more. Um, sorry, I'm umming a lot. I've seen a few. They're not Bidoofs. They're Bibarels. I've seen a few Bibarels as well. I do really teams. like Bibarel. In the few Sinnoh uh, Cup battles that I've had, I, I've enjoyed running Bibarel because it resists all the ghost damage it resists ice of which there's a reasonable amount and it's resisting the water like empoleon's a really interesting matchup because both uh both fast moves are resisted in either direction the both of the charge moves from biberol are resisted by empoleon the empoleon is able to throw drill pecs but it's not like a, a super damaging move so like it's it generally favors the empoleon but it's certainly playable for Bibarel, and then yeah, it just has so many like really nice key resistances that uh, that I think make it a really fun Pokemon. Definitely, it's the ones that I've run into, I've lost to with my right. team's set right. up. So it's very good. I'm trying to think of the most interesting thing because it is like Hisui Cup is so repetitious, yeah. which has its benefits, and I can go into that. I think the craziest thing I've seen, other than not Napoleon, but the Prinplup. Like the middle evolution running bubble and icy wind has been kind of interesting. Yep. I think the weirdest thing I've seen I've seen is a Weavile. Someone oh, yeah. almost beat me with a Weavile, and that was odd. What did they have with it? I don't even I just remember the Weavile. <laughs> that was what <laughs> left the impression. Yeah. Uh, I was running my low punny and not really anybody is running that. I I played a bunch of sets with low punny just for fun and I just mm-hmm. tanked a bunch and that's fine. <laughs> um, I don't need to hit legend this season, I guess. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, the, the Weavile was definitely the wildest thing, I think. Those but double kicks is... would have torn through the Weavile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then fire punch as well. I've been you. I trip typically do fire punch and triple axle just because yep. you never really. I feel like you never get to the focus blast or hyper beam. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't typically run them. I, I was having fun though. It was good. Gallade yeah. also is very popular. Munchlax is very popular. I'm just looking at the. I'm actually looking at the PV poke rankings now. <laughs> why these metas are good and why I appreciate them is it allows me to get really comfortable with a team and knowing 
whenever what like what I see in the lead, I know exactly what I need to do because it's so limited. It just it helps you become more comfortable with your team. It helps you learn your specific team's counts, like move counts and energy counts, and helps you get really comfortable. And that's something I really appreciate about limited metas. On the flip side, um, I know that like if I'm running a team that's weak to Gastrodon double bite, and I see a Gastrodon in the lead, and then they switch to like Drapion, I just know, hey, I'll just quit now. <laughs> I no need to play this out. We know how this will go. Yeah, but mine isn't that way because yeah, good, it's, good. it's it's like a fifty fifty kind of. It just depends kind of how the fell stinger or if I can like land a moon blast and it debuffs. Like I can get. There are options. I have yep. choices depending on how that matchup goes. So that's Hisui Cup. Let's take a look at what is coming up in the rest of the season. We have from February the 9th to 16th, Open Master League and Evolution Cup, the Middle Child Cup. Only Pokemon that have evolved at least once and can evolve again will be eligible. The top 10 on PV Poke are Vigoroth, of course, Shadow and Regular Golbat, Hakamao, Dusclops. Zwilus, Shadow and Regular Dragonair, Primeape, the new edition, Chargebug, Arctabax, and Haunter. I remember running Haunter with Ice Punch, and I think I was running Dark Pulse for a while. Why did I do that? I think it was so that I could get that heavy damage on opposing Dusclops while still being able to hit Vigoroth harder than like have, like not having to rely on the ice punch i just remember running the core meta i'm pretty sure i ran a golbat dustclops and Vigoroth uh-huh. in a line of three i was i i am fairly positive i was unoriginal <laughs> in my team composition <laughs> so this is this evolution cup i think is going to be a, another meta where you're gonna see the same things over and over and over <laughs> yeah, and for sure. over. Not quite Which, as bad as Sinnoh, but bad. It's still not going to be great. I think Chargebug yeah. is probably going to be pretty popular because I know Golbat is going to be really, really popular again. Oh, you know what? I, I remember last week talking about, yeah, Chargebug was in the meta, but I don't think it had had its community day. That's That's probably where the divide is so now that it's got volt switch it probably that's probably that'll be your go-to right i'm pretty sure back in previous versions of the cup it was like you needed spark to beat golbat for bug bite to beat um vigoroth now you just run volt switch for everything so i'll probably run a charger bug team i'll i'll switch it up and those of you who played chancy community day (laughs) <laughs> chances in this meta with zen headbutt dazzling gleam and psychic you want to stall out your opponent chancy chancy let's look at you could run a chancy a dustclops and like a celio maybe i can tell you what the three bulkiest things are in the meta if you give me 11 and a half seconds okay I'm sorting by stat product. Is that oh, what I yeah, want? Or do I, I want do, yeah. stamina? Because there's also stamina and defense. Because it would be at, at Chansey and Dusclops, that's easy right off the bat. It yeah. says Bayleaf is next. Yep, that checks out to me. And then close 
following that is Swadloon, Servine, War Turtle, and then Celio. I would say yeah. Celio is probably going to be more po- useful. Yeah. Than sure. Bayleaf, probably. But Celio, you just want a stall tactic. You can do that. <laughs> That's a choice you're allowed to make. I don't know if you'll make any friends that way. <laughs> but it's a choice you can make. So there's that. A primate with and a Vigoroth, like if you ran into Primeape and Vigoroth, that might be tough because Primeape yeah. is gonna run Night Slash, which yeah, will hit sure. the, the Dusclops and counter will just decimate the Chansey after a while. But it's running Zen Headbutt, so that might be the Vigoroth and the Primeape would have to probably tag team that a little bit. Well, let's look that up. What does Primeape versus Chansey look like? I feel like Chansey would just melt it. I mean, it's attack. Chansey's attack is abysmal, but I still think. But Primeape, so are Primeape's defenses. So uh, Primeape's winning all shield scenarios except the 0 1 and 0 2. Okay. And that but is, is are they the, winning? It's not handily though. Uh, and that's with close combat. I don't think you'd want close combat. Yeah. What if you're just running like Ice Punch Night Slash? So it wins. It has to shield at least once. But if it shields at least once, it'll win every shield scenario. Um, but like you said, it's not handily. So it's winning the one ones with a rating of five thirty four. So it's got eight HP left. That's not comfortable. No, not at all. That's not comfortable for poor Primeape. The Golbat. A Golbat or something gets a couple wing attacks on it. That's that's yeah, not you, good. Like because Chansey's also running Psychic as well, which does forty two percent damage to a Primeape. So like if you yeah throw a few Zen headbutts, land a Psychic, then Golbat comes out and bam, wing attacks you before you have time to react. Yep. It's like well now I've got nothing for the Vigoroth in the back. Actually, that might be a strategy as well. Like sending out Vigoroth to like draw out a Primeape, <laughs> and then having the Chansey in the back. Now, all these we're gonna we're just gonna be creating all these degenerate teams for people. <laughs> yeah, if if you do choose to run that, do not credit us. Please don't. I don't <laughs> want anything to do with that. Yeah, stepping back. Just from shouting that. out because com- I always try to shout out Community Day Pokemon, and it is a choice. Chansey's <laughs> a choice. Just coming back to the start. Other than that, I think we covered some of the main heavy hitters. That you're going to see. I do think Celio is still going to be kind of popular as well, even though it's lower in the meta. It does because Dragonair and Shadow Dragonair may also be really popular, and that's going to be a hard check to it as well as Golbat, Jwilas. It's obviously going to lose to Vigoroth, but it can put with Powder Snow Body Slam, it can actually like you're you're fighting back against Vigoroth. You're fighting back and the Dusclops matchup is pretty close. So I think I think Celio could be potentially really good, especially if you've been in the game a long time and you use Celio before Walrein was a thing, and now Walrein's not a thing anymore. Like all the way back then, like I have a Celio from way back when that is a potential to use. A little extra thing to consider is the addition of Rock Slide on Vigoroth since the last time that evolution cup was in so not only will that allow you to really put some shield pressure on the celio which it like already that was pretty favorable for vigoroth but now like with the rock slides as well like tips it way more in its favor but then also like one of vigoroth's hardest counters last time was golbat 
So now that it's got the rock slide to to put the hurt on there, like <laughs> like Vigoroth could be even more like ever present than it was before. And it was pretty darn ever present. The biggest checks to Vigoroth in the meta aren't really that big. Yeah. Uh, Machoke is an option, as well as Primeape, Golbat, Hakamoo, and Dragonair. But like the dragon matchups are very close, especially in the ones. Yeah. They're not comfortable. So this is the this is Vigoroth's meta. Be on the lookout. Uh, wow, I've just looked up Vigoroth against Dusclops. Running Hex, Ice Punch, and Poltergeist. Um, it does also no return. So, but uh, just to make my point, like with Ice Punch and Poltergeist's charge moves, Vigoroth is winning in every shield scenario except the zero ones and zero twos. Yep. Because of that change to Rock Slide. Uh, yep. If you do have return, then Vigoroth is losing the ones, but still winning the twos. Yes. It's it's Vigoroth versus everything else, really. It's Vigoroth versus the meta. Pretty much. Yeah. So looking forward so to that. Uh <laughs> If you want to see other people struggle with that, you can watch <laughs> Go Battle Day on Twitch, on the Pokemon Go Twitch channel. They were advertising that during the Knoxville stream. And Speediest Chief is on it, I saw. Soph is on it, as well as Trainer Tips Nick, which is kind of cool. I haven't seen him in a minute. So that is certainly something you can watch. And there'll be Twitch drops for things like... I think Rare Candy XL, Fast TMs, and Charge TMs. So February 10th on Go Battle Day. Be on the lookout for announcements about that. Then just looking a little bit more forward, we'll have Catch Cup Little and Catch Cup Great League, where you it's a 500 CP Catch Cup using only Pokemon that you've caught during this season. And only Great League Pokemon that you've caught in this season in the other meta. I will not be playing that week. I will not be playing that week. <laughs> I think I'm just out of luck, which is kind of unfortunate. <laughs> I remember even trying to look and thinking, okay, I'm going to search in my inventory, you know, mm. what I've caught in the past 75 days or whatever it is. And I just haven't built anything. Like, I'm in trouble. Yeah. As usual, expect to see a lot of Community Day Pokemon. So, yes. uh, and and Annihilate as well. Yeah, sorry, I... For a second, I convinced myself that Annihilate had a community there. But no, you'll see a fair few Annihilate because that's a, basically anything with a community day or that has been released in the last three months. I could build a Chansey <laughs> and just, I run Annihilate, Claudzai, or Chansey. Will it get me anywhere? Probably not. <laughs> but it's something I could do. Just trying to think, like, what else is even meta relevant? Um, because I've been to some regionals, I have some of those Pokemon available, like Alolan Vulpix is at those, Shieldon. So I have the Pokemon that spawn at regional events. Rowlet Community Day is not really something <laughs> notable. Well, I wonder how the the Annihilate Decidui matchup goes. <laughs> December Community Day fell under that, so any of the December Community Day Pokemon oh. when we got the big list of them, so Good something catch. like Galarian Slowking and Slowbro might be something. Mm. I'm trying. I'm I'm grasping at straws here. 
one of the main issues for me and I assume I'm not alone in this is that like I don't want to even if I've got stuff I, I'm, and I can pretty safely say I've probably got stuff that I can build but like I don't necessarily want to spend that stuff like I just I think yesterday passed four million stardust for the first time in my career Ooh, good for you. Yeah, right. Um, and so, like, there's a there's a famous quote in an episode of The Simpsons where Bill Gates says, "Well, you don't get rich by writing a lot of checks." So I like uh, I I don't get to four million stardust if I'm just building stuff that I don't actually need outside of this one week. That is true. For Little Cup, I have no idea. Like that's going to be <laughs> beyond me. Chancy. I'm probably gonna chancy i'm gonna probably end up taking that week off entirely but i do appreciate that that's not how the season ends the season ends february 23rd to march 1st with open great league open ultra league and open master league so all those tryhards are going to be an open great league with bastiodon double razor leaf it's going to be awful but at least we have options also just because we have one month left my goals are not going great by the way those goals we set, remember, at the season? Yeah, remind me what yours were. Legend, not probably not going to happen. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep trying. I'm in veteran right now. Um, in, I've been balancing around between 25 and 2600. So it's not like I'm way off. Mm-hmm. I'm not close, but it's not completely unattainable. I don't think I'm going to set that as a goal again. I think expert can be just my goal of end mm-hmm. expectation for myself. Making a legendary Pokemon for Master League, I grinded Ho-Oh raids. I did a ton of Ho-Oh raids for me, someone who doesn't raid a lot. And I'm still over 100 XL candy short, even though I'm walking it and I'm best buddying it. So I'm like two thirds of the way there, but that's not quite enough. Um, The only thing, it's very frustrating. The only thing I feel confident I'm going to do is the 500 wins because I'm right today i'll hit page five oh, okay. so i'm sure. on i'm on the i'll be on the last page of that after i finish my sets today great that's good so that i'm confident i will do that not for lack of trying on the others yeah, of course of course um and we would not expect anything less from you DeFi. so that is our gbl section time for our in-game events we have a couple of events worth talking about the first DeFi is the carnival with love It is. And there's not a ton going on for this event. Uh, It's very short. It's really just Valentine's Day, Tuesday, February 13th, 10 a.m. local time to Thursday, February 15th, 8 p.m. local time. That's really it. The big bonus, I would say, would be the XL candy you get Mm. from walking with your buddy. You get an increased chance. And if you evolve a Pokemon, you get two guaranteed Candy XL. So let's say you caught a bunch of Dratini during Dratini Spotlight Hour. If you evolve a Dratini to a Dragonair and you just keep doing that, you'll get two Candy XL every time you do that. Which is a really good rate of return. Because yes, it does cost candy to do that. However, it's also... It's much better than the rate of turning 100 regular candy into 1XL candy. You're turning like 25 or 50 regular candy into 2XL candy. It's just it's just a much better rate. So 
doing yeah. some kind of evolution spree is really, really good. Also, XP isn't really something you super need for PvP, but because this aligns as well with Carnival in Brazil, uh, Brazilian trainers can earn twice the XP for catching Pokemon during the event, which, you know, shout out to them. That's cool. Otherwise, if the you bonuses... are below level 40, then that uh, or below level 31, I think um is it 31 where like you don't get any more benefit because once you hit 31 then you can like power up your pokemon all the way or r remind me how that works i know you get access to xl candy at 31 uh-huh uh-huh and i think it used to be and i don't know if it still is it used to be that you could only power up your pokemon up to two levels higher than what your in-game level is so if that is still the case then it would mean you'd need to get to level 38 to be able to power your Pokemon up to level... Well, I was going to say level 40, but no, level 50 as well. Because like once you do get to 38, then you they do let you power up all the way to 50. I do know at least that much. So that's that's where XP can come in handy. Fair enough. Otherwise, the big feature is turning your Furfrow, like changing up its coat and... But that's really it. The spawn pool for the event is kind of focused on Oricorio because that is the shiny that is being released in the different regions. Flabebe. That's what I've got in terms of relevant Pokemon. Maybe Snubble? Yeah. yeah. Like Ramble's got something going on. Like In limited metas. In limited yeah. metas, yeah. Um, or like uh, just as a charm. Like it's a very unique charmer. Um, where one that doesn't even necessarily have to use charm it can use snarl as well and then has the moveset of close combat and crunch which like which lends itself to a completely different play style than any other charmer so like i, I can throw gramble slash snubble in there as well but like i'm, I'm with you that like flabebe is the the main one to look for yeah, but otherwise, this is a great event. If you just like catching cute Pokemon or pink Pokemon or the Oricorio, good. You've got lots <laughs> of that. Or you want to go after the Valentine's Day Spinda pattern, you do that. But it's not, I again, I did get beaten by a Spinda once in Grassroots. We'll never forget it. <laughs> so technically Spinda is a, is a thing. But other than that, there's just not, there's not a lot PvP relevant going on with this event. Yeah. yeah. In direct contrast, coming up very, very soon, is Pokemon Go Tour Sinnoh specifically for Los Angeles. The rest of us don't get Sinnoh Tour until two weeks later. But if you are some of the lucky few going to Los Angeles for Saturday, February 17th, there is so much going on. Half hatch distance, half Stardust cost for trades, nine daily free raid passes. And you can buy those bonus, like the raid lover and the egg enthusiast and the citywide gameplay to really just juice up your event. Mm -hmm. But the spawns are good. <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> something in the spawns. I think for everyone, people who like just kind of cute Pokemon with the costumes, but also useful ones. Like I've been seeing Hisuian um, electrode in Hisui cup. You can catch that here. I've been seeing, like, I'm looking at Stardust stuff, um, Gastrodon. There's actually, because we were in the Hisui Cup, a lot of these Pokemon are quite good in it mm. uh, because they're all Sinnoh Pokemon. But Ralts for Gardevoir and Gallade. Driftblim is, like, is good generally. That Bibarel. 
You're going to be able to get Shield on for Bastiodon, Skaroopy for Dropion. So there's Croagunk for Toxicroak is obviously very, very good. Snover for Abomasnow. Obviously, you can get Baneary because it's a Sinnoh Pokemon. Is Lickitung. Lickitung is in there. Yep, yeah. Lickitung is in the hot, hot mountain spring habitat because it's one of those habitat ones where there's different habitats. Mm-hmm. The habitats have fun names like the Entangled <laughs> Ruins and the space-time anomaly for the Entangled <laughs> Ruins where the last 30 minutes of the hour, there's all you're going to get extra Pokemon. Yeah, so about that one, I'm seeing in the uh, Bubbling Maya habitat in the space-time anomaly, uh, which I, I am in love with that, by the way, that um, in the space-time anomaly for... Um, anomaly, for uh, bubbling Maya, they've got Ursa Luna listed as a spawn here. So, if I understand that correctly, if that's not a mistake, that means that you can just catch a wild Ursa Luna and you don't have to like wait till a full moon to evolve one. That is very cool. If it's true. <laughs> if true. Hisuian Avalug is also kind of interesting in Master League a little bit. That's mm. part of the space time anomaly in the Hot Mountain Springs. Eggs, there's Riolu, Munchlax. It's just, you know, there's fun Sinnoh stuff. You can hatch the Pachirisu out of the 10K eggs, you know, instead of just being the Canadians and the people who live way up north <laughs> getting those. You can get all the Hisuian starters that we've been getting, the Typhlosion, Samurai, and Decidueye. I would say the one of the bigger draws is going to be Dialga and Palkia raids yeah, for Master League. Mood. Yep, and then not just, so it's going to be, there's going to be regular Dialga and Palkia as well as the Origin Form ones will also be in raids. And their special moves for the Origin Forms kind of can twist how your Adventure Incense works, which is kind of fun. And of course, you know, you got your Shinies and things, which are great as well. The Shiny Hisuian Electrode looks absolutely baller. Yeah, no, Shiny Hisuian Electrode is very, very good. I've been waiting for Stunky to be shiny forever. Get that bright pink Stunky. Yeah, they all look really cool. Hisuian Quillfish Shiny is also very good. It's like silver and purple. Yeah. Which is really, it's just very distinct. So I am looking for Pachirizu with the pink highlights. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a very brief overview, but just know there are some PvP things you can be looking for. And it's basically all the things that have been really good in the Hisui Cup are the things that you're going to be able to catch here and keep for next year when there'll undoubtedly be more Sinnoh Cup somewhere. We keep I feel like it's it keeps coming back. Sinnoh Cup keeps coming back. It just won't stop. It won't stop. <laughs> those are just a couple of those things for Go to Sinotor. Fish, tell me a little bit about what's going on in Grassroots. So, uh, not not much to update about in Devon. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, myself and Brown Baller Ten talked about it on the pod. Just what are the what are the Pokemon that will be good for that meta? It's basically Attack of the Normals. Normal is just so busted in that meta. We will be having a, a Devon Cup tournament starting in the Pallet Town Discord server this weekend on uh, Saturday morning, my time, Friday night, US time. Uh, but other than that, yeah, not much to update. So let's just talk about Battle Frontier. DeFi, how have you gone? Have you backed up your amazing performance against the cool cats last week? And note that our amazing performance was still us losing. 
by a couple <laughs> points. But we did really – I was proud of how we did. I was proud of how we did. We went 9-12 and 12 against them, which I thought and still think is pretty good. But we had a rough week this week. Uh, I think because a lot of our members were in Knoxville. We just – we didn't scrim as much. We weren't really as together. Uh, our opponents were also very, very good. We played the Dancing Dittos, which is a team that has August Rultz is kind of a name that's out there a little bit, as well as Lil Sparty or Big Knox is another girls at PVP that is on that team. And they just got a lot of three O's against us. I went one and two against my opponent and just, it wasn't great. And then we're following it up with kind of another tough week. We're playing the other top team in our pool, which is SoCal Swablu Blue or SoCal Swablu Gold. I'm sorry, which that is like. Yeah, you're getting a tough run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trying to think who's on their roster. Flying Pizza is quite good on the Swablu. Cy Rhino is quite good. Dre Flames, Jerunja. Just a lot of players who've been in it for a very long time. So that's kind of how we're starting. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that it'll get easier. Probably not. But <laughs> we can try. So we're, we're just going to we're going to focus more. We're going to scrim more. We're going to talk to each other more. Just try to have more availability. But that's what I like about team formats, because if you suck, you suck together. <laughs> you do poorly. <laughs> and then you pick each other up and you encourage each other. Well, actually, it's that, okay. that wasn't my experience, actually, this week. So the team did suck, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a 3-0 against my opponent in the primordial meta. Um, and, like, I, I, you know, announced it to my, my captain and my team. Yep, 3-0, guys. And they were, like, they were all excited about it. Then, you know... I, I check back on our final result as I'm waiting for my flight back home. And I'm like, what? 14-7? <laughs> Guys. <laughs> so, yep, another loss. But that's all right. You know, that's like you said, like the being in a team just makes that all a lot more fun. It does. And just the camaraderie. So even like if you do really poorly, like I felt pretty bad about my one, two. You have people to pick you back up and remind you yeah. like, hey, you did this really well. You had kind of a bad draw on the lead. That kind of stuff. So that's good. And people to scrum against. I just like, I love the team format, Fish. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's why it's, you know, so popular. Like, it's just something, it provides uh, something that you, I've talked before, you know, when I launched that really long story on the podcast a few weeks ago. One of the things I mentioned there was how, like, a sense of belonging is something we all kind of deeply crave. And I think that's kind of what this team format provides that no, nothing else in PVP can provide is that sense of belonging to a team, having your tribe, having people to support you, uh, share the highs and lows with like that. That's why the team format is so good. I have nothing more to say. It's just, it's good. It's good. So then that is Grassroots PvP. Time to move on to play Pokemon. We had two regionals on the weekend, one in Knoxville and one in Melbourne. Which one should we cover first? I can talk about Knoxville. I watched quite a bit of it. I didn't watch the whole thing, 
But what I watched was a slaughter. And that slaughter was committed by Dunebug97, who is the second <laughs> He trainer. won the tournament and then was arrested afterwards. <laughs> it was... <laughs> second degree murder. It was a clinical. Like, he ran... He had almost a perfect tournament. I think he went 15-1-1. One, and one. There was a tie, I think, that happened. Oh, wow. On stream, and they had to replay. But he had a nearly perfect run coming in from the winner's side of the bracket. Uh, the five, the semi, the grand finals was Magic Mason and Dunebug, or the winners' finals was, and Magic Mason took one game off Dunebug, and Dunebug yeah, wow. proceeded to win the rest. And since he came in from the winners' finals, it was a quick sweep of Magic Mason, three zero. Uh, Magic Mason fought hard to get back into that grand finals. He had to beat Rock Haven. And this Knoxville ended up being super sacked. Like I was joking around on the podcast, like because we had low turnout, like low signups for a yeah. really long time. And then they started to really pick up towards the end. But it was stacked. Listen to this top eight. Dunebug 97, second tr ever trainer to win two, like more than one regional tournament. Magic Mason, Rock Haven. Wait, really? Only the second? I believe so. He's only the second to have, or hold on. Is it the second to do in one season? I think it's the second okay. in one season. Is Axon the first? We'll talk about the first. Oh, okay. Ooh, ooh, okay. <laughs> um, by a couple of hours, Dunebug is the second. Well, no, hey, because well, Axon's done it, right? Not in the same uh, season. Really? Huh. Nope. Okay. Sure. And even okay. with Dodge, would Dodge run one a regional and then one NAIC? He didn't win two regionals in the same uh, season. Yeah. Yep. That that uh, distinction always trips me up. Mm -hmm. Same with Axon. Axon won a regional. I think Axon won a regional and then won Worlds. If I'm or you know winning Worlds. He also won an IC. I think because I was talking about that. that. Was a, yeah. Yeah. The the first person in potentially any discipline to do a three peat. Mm -hmm. Three peat, like the do the the triple crown, the regional, international, and worlds. Okay, but that's all a sidestep to what I was trying yes, to say. Sorry, <laughs> continue. So we have Dunebug ninety seven, who just ran a complete clinical, nearly flawless tournament, followed by Magic Mason, Rockhaven, Onion Frank, Rise to Occasion, Uzuku, Awesome Evie, and Jangles. Also, just short of the running. Lyle Jeffs, Out of Pocket, Mountain Dugong, Valor Ash, Auburn, just so many. Like any of those names you could imagine in a grand finals. They were all so good. So while I agree that that is certainly stacked, uh, isn't it just a given now? Like it, they seem to be stacked every regional slash IC. Like I think they... Like the further the season goes on, the more stacked these tournaments become. Possibly. I do think, though, this one had a lot of big names proportional mm. to the size of the tournament. It was a lot. And this tournament yeah, ended up enough. being very big. However, it also had a lot of very, very big names yeah. that went along with it, including names that didn't even like get to the that top 16. Yeah. That. Yeah are also very good trainers, like Wadaj, King Alexander, you know, just all of these people who are, Kimi Sui was there, 
Remember him? Kimisui yes, also. Him. He actually gave me some advice on my team heading into Melbourne. Yeah. Also a very good trainer. Um, Dino was at this one from the BTW podcast and performed pretty well. Blob, who I believe is Lyle, um, Jeff's brother, also did quite well. Richie, 1409. Richie has won a regional before. Just Mama Climbs had a pretty good run. Just a mm. lot. It was a lot of good names. Yeah. A lot of very big names. If we take a look at their teams, Dunebug, the winning team, Annihilate running the Night Slash variant mm-hmm. of Annihilate, Chargebug, Shadow Gligar, Lickitung, Skarmory, and Shadow Whiskash. Shadow Whiskash becoming much more popular for this tournament with a lot of top trainers running it. Rockhaven had a shadow version of it. Jangles out of pocket. And the reason for that is it's improved matchups against Lickitung and Azumarill, uh, which I know because I was very heavily considering shadow Whiskash myself. The only reason I didn't run it in the end was the only one I had was rank 3,800. And like, (laughs) I was... Honestly, I was practicing with it a bunch. Like, I I did still intend to run it because, like, I, I like to practice what I preach. We've talked a lot before about how, like, IVs aren't everything. But in this particular situation, I think the gap was a bit too wide. Uh, I lost a few too many matchups with that over, say, a rank one um, or a, just a regular Whiskash. But the main reason why you would bring a Shadow is because it can... KO a Lickitung in two scolds plus mud shots, which can be very, very handy in winning back switch advantage. Like if they don't have any grass Pokemon on, on their team, like they will probably be relying on Lickitung to maintain alignment and switch advantage uh, if you do safe swap a Whiskash. And also KOing an Azumarill in three mud bombs plus mud shots as well, which which is like it makes that very quick and and uh, allows you to that that is quicker than what an Azumarill can get to two ice beams, so that kind of tips that in, in that's favor as well. All right, with that, that's not the only regional. That was actually the second regional of the weekend. The first was the one you went to in Melbourne. Yes, and uh, look for for me, my place. I, I wasn't I wasn't happy with how I performed. Um, my feelings are very complicated, to be honest, and it's it's hard to exactly explain because, like, for me, like a, a minimum pass mark was like day two, um, and I I know that's a high bar to set, but I do have high expectations for myself. Um, I went two wins and two losses. I won the first two and then dropped the next two. I do take some solace in the fact that my two losses were against two of the best battlers in the country, uh, one being Rocket Claire, who doesn't have as big of a name uh, in in the general public as uh, some of these other names, but she is every bit as good of a battler. I remember back in the Sylph days, you used to look at the the leaderboard for Australia and like you'd you'd have people like myself and Inner Bloom up there who have played like 150 battles with a 65 70 percent win rate and we're we're up there. But then you look a little further down and there's Rocket Claire who has only played like 30 battles, 
but she's got like an 85% win rate. So like she, she she's very, very good <laughs> is what I'm getting at. And then the other trainer that I lost to immediately after was Valiant Fish, who is like, he, he has a much more recognized name. Uh, he is one of the most decorated battlers, like one, one of the people who's won the most accolades in the country, probably second just behind Jakobovic. So to, to lose to them both one, two, I did take the first battles off them very, very handily. I felt, but then in the third game, you know, they, they both took back game two and then in the third game, they both made great line calls against me. So I was kind of hard counted in the back and couldn't do much about it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, the two wins and two losses put me just short of getting any championship points. So I'm still sitting on zero. Um, uh, if if I had one more win, either in the winners bracket or the losers bracket, then I would have, I would have, you know, gotten some points. But unfortunately, I am still sitting on zero. So that makes worlds a pretty remote possibility right now. I'd have to basically, I'd have to win Perth or uh, somehow win Bologna and there's a developing story when it comes to Perth that I can't exactly talk about just yet, but um, there's a slight chance that Perth might not be happening either. And I'll give more details on that, you know, when I have more information. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, more or less over for me. That sucks. A good news for most Australians though, the, the cap, it used to be 300, not the cap, but the, the threshold to get to yes. Worlds was 300. They did reduce it to 250, which makes it quite a bit more attainable. And Australia is now open to doing locals. So you can get points from local tournaments as which well. Which is huge, yeah. And we, we're all super psyched about that because like now, uh, now uh, we all just have this feeling of like anyone who is good enough to make Worlds, we think... It is possible for them to get there, except me. <laughs> but, um, like, uh, especially in the Melbourne and Sydney scenes where they do have a player base to be able to to get it happening. And also, I'm going to give a shout out to Debbie Pebble, who's been doing some great work in Perth as well. Very, very small player base. Like, uh, probably smaller than, no, nah, Adelaide, Adelaide's definitely smaller than Perth. But um. Like it's about as small as what Perth is, and yet uh, she's already got people together playing just practice local tournaments over there. So like I've, I've got confidence that they'll be able to get some happening as well. So yeah, really exciting. All right, so Fish, why don't you take us through the winner of the tournament and the first trainer to win <laughs> multiple regionals in the same season by a couple of hours? And also the first trainer to go back-to-back regionals. Is that right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, because the winner was Jakobovic, who was the person who beat me in OCIC last year. He won Brisbane earlier this year. Like, uh, uh, what was it? Um, de- December or January? What, one of, I think December. Um, November. No, yeah, end of November. It was November. Oh, wow. That long ago. Jeez. Um, and now he has taken out this one as well. It wasn't an easy run. He was taken to all five battles in the grand final and it resulted in a bracket reset and ended up winning 3-2 in the bracket reset. So a uh, very long, like I think the head judge there was saying it it took 78 minutes to complete that whole grand final. So 
a very tense, very uh, hype matchup. He beat Triple Crit in the grand final, who is a listener of this show. So big shout out to Triple Crit. Yukovovich was running a Bomber Snow, Charge Bug, Shadow Gligar, Lickitung, Pelipper, and the Shadow Cash. Triple Crit running Annihilate, Azumarill, Bastiodon, Charger Bug, Shadow Gligar, and Lickitung. So both of them running that Lickitung, Shadow Gligar core, which is just so busted. Yukovovich running that Obama Snow, which is a counter to both, but also like does have to watch out for those wing attacks from the Shadow Gligar. So like it's not the best. It can like farm down a Gligar with shields up, but if you get it with shields down, then the wing attacks will just overpower you and beat that so yeah i'm really really interesting teams really fun teams both running the charge bug triple crit running the bastion which is like a uh like it's always a controversial pick whenever anyone (laughs) brings that and uh triple crit running the annihilate too which there's still a lot of like discussion out there on whether annihilate is the source or not i think it's the sauce i think (laughs) it's pretty good it's is pretty good. After watching another thing about Knoxville, Dunebug earned a new nickname, Boostbug. He, <laughs> he got, I forget the number, but he just kept getting boost after boost. And he was calling it on stage. Like he had gotten one boost and then he was putting up the number two as he was swiping the Night Slash bubbles <laughs> and then got another boost. Oh, man. Like just adding salt to the wound of yeah. his opponent. It was disgusting. <laughs> The, the RNG that man had. Yeah, he's just purely, like, super lucky when he gets that right, but he still looks so good. <laughs> looks like such a baller. Oh, my goodness. The calling it out, like, kind of like when a baseball player calls out the home run yeah, and then actually yep. gets the home run. It is wild. So that <laughs> boost bug. I think that's how Speedy called him up to stage two, boost bug. <laughs> boost bug. Um, yeah. I actually, so my team was, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. <laughs> I ran Chargebug, Shadow Gligar, Jellicent, Skarmory, Vigoroth, and Whiskash. So Vigoroth is very, very good unless you get it locked in against an Annihilate, in which case it's got nothing to be able to handle that Annihilate. The Annihilate can just punch you down. Doesn't have to throw a charge. We just build up a bunch of any. And what makes that worse is that with such a big energy lead annihilate can tear through even the things that people bring to counter it so i had a lot like a few things that counter annihilate charger bug is a bit of a count like a very soft counter but it does generally counter the annihilate gligar uh very hard counter if shields are up if it gets hit by an ice punch then it's kind of lights out there jellison is a good counter to annihilate but it, unless you get hit by a shadow ball uh, from the from the annihilate and also i was running bubble to make that a better matchup against lickitung and mandibars like give it a little bit of play at least whereas hex would have made that a lot easier bubble just kind of made it like it, it got too close like um i would get to my own shadow ball too close to when the annihilate would get to its shadow ball which meant like if it had any sort of energy lead it would overtake me there uh same with skarmory like uh if you land the sky attack great if you can't though, if shields are up, then it can kind of counter an ice punch through that matchup. So really, like the fact that I had four on annihilate counters on my team didn't deter either Claire or Fish from <laughs> both bringing their annihilates. 
and and that's kind of what with um with Vish, it that was the the line call that he made in Battle Three. Like that was what knocked me out of the tournament. Was it, we got to the our, our last Pokemon, he had Annihilate, I had Vigoroth, and I'm like, well, put my phone down. <laughs> um, it, with Claire, actually, it was the it was kind of the opposite where she ended up bringing Annihilate in her first two battles and then just predicted that I would adjust for that in the third and uh, and left the Annihilate on the bench. But st- like I still count that as Annihilate kicking my butt even though I had four counters on my team, which is pretty wild. So I think, yeah, Annihilate is bloody good. I think you're going to be thinking about Annihilate the way that I think about Spinda. Spinda. <laughs> how it haunts my nightmares (laughs) and if anything's gonna haunt someone's nightmares it is this weird kind of cyclops kind of oh no that's that's its nose not its eye (laughs) um this weird demon monkey yes annihilate is great we've gone through the pokedex entries like annihilate is certainly one to haunt your nightmares but thank you so much for sharing your experience i'm sorry that you had a rough run but 2-2 2-2 is respectable. It's just frustrating that there wasn't more, like, because you were capped at 64, uh, that kind of limits who all gets championship points. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, like, uh, I have said in the past that, like, losing to such established players isn't really much solace for me because, like, I, like, if I, you know, expect to be the best, then I should be beating those people. However, in this case, like, I did feel like, well, I performed better than, like, oh, because this was the other thing. Like, I was heading in there so, so, so stressed because I had been getting my butt handed to me in all my scrims. Like, uh, even, like, sometimes battling against, with with respect, like, not not quite as experienced opponents. They, they were still beating me uh, quite handily as well, and I was just beating my head against the wall. I was up until... 2 a.m the night of the like the night before the tournament just stressing about the team and like trying to work out how what like what adjustments i could or should make to plug holes in the team and so to come there get a a pretty solid 2-0 in my first match and then win my second match in in like a really close one but one that i like i basically felt i played really really well despite uh the losses which gave me some comfort after having felt so unprepared going in. All right, that's a good attitude to have. Yeah. Uh, Because the point is just to do well and try to play the best you can. Totally. And with that, let's look ahead to Dortmund over in Europe. 82 currently registered to that tournament. Huge shout out to Trip Tondo for supplying me with that number. And we know who's casting it. We have Count Zevius. Uh, is casting along with Amanda Lundberger. And we have Martine, also more famously known as Inadequance, as well as Adelian. So a fantastic cast, definitely worth watching. That's going to be the one that's going to be harder for me to watch because it's going to be mostly over by the time I wake up. There's also looking even further ahead we're gonna have a bit of a break actually after this weekend so this weekend dortmund that's kind of saturday february 10th 11th then we have a break until march 2nd so one two it'll be three weekends before the next one that's utrecht's special event uh, is march 2nd to the 3rd 
And then we get another break for one, two, three weeks, weekends until Vancouver in Canada on the West Coast of North America. That's going to be March 22nd to 24th. Y'all, Utrecht special event has 205 players registered. Let's go. (laughs) Vancouver, Canada has 17 right now. (laughs) <laughs> let's not go well no let's go to that one let's, let's that one. go to that one. <laughs> go to that one let's go to that one please <laughs> go to that one please let's fill that one up knoxville was only at 30 40 for a while but also i fully expect vancouver to to blow up we'll see i want to see it at least hit that like 60 70 80 mark for sure It'd be nice if if we got over 100 like Knoxville did. Uh, kind of we want to try to hit that 128 mark pretty consistently because that gets you the kicker. That gets more people championship points. That is what we want. Make it happen, Vancouver. <laughs> and then after that, uh, again, it's kind of a short break. Then we'll be off to EUIC in London, April 5th to the 7th. You should be those registrations should be coming really soon, as well as registrations for the next couple of regionals, which happen the same weekend, April 12th to the 14th, Orlando, Florida and Perth in Australia. So that's the play Pokemon section, which means we are up to our favorite part of the episode, and that is our mailbag. We have three more mails to bring you. And I'm excited to do that. The first one is from Mr. K510, who sent this in on the 14th of January. Mr. K says, Hi all. Do you think it would ever be possible for Pokemon Go to allow two quick attacks like they do to charge attacks? If not, why? If they did allow this, how do you think it would change the game? Mr. K510. And DeFi, I actually... Uh, this It's funny because I actually sent a message pretty much like this into the battle cats podcast because they were talking about <laughs> you know how to uh how, how like possible updates to the mechanics of the game that would be really interesting i actually missed their response to that so i i don't know what they said but like i am all for this change you, you tell me your thoughts thoughts first okay so do i think they would ever do it in the scenario in my <laughs> mind because I don't ever think the app would work that well, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, but if we had yeah. a perfect, let's say we had a perfectly functional app, I think it'd be interesting where depending on like where you're tapping on the screen, that would be the fast move you run. I think that could be a very interesting. Mm. So you have access to both at all times like you do with charge moves. However, yeah, depending on where you're tapping, like maybe you tap the left hand side or the right hand side. Or you've got two buttons like you do with the charge moves. Something like that. I think that yeah. I think that could be really interesting. I I'm not sure what that would do to certain Pokemon. Like, would that make certain Pokemon like unstoppable? I, I think there would definitely need to be a rebalance because there are some Pokemon that do very very well with a second fast move, and then others that don't do as well. So, like the example that I gave or some of the examples that I gave uh, to when I messaged Battlecats was uh, the idea of a Cresselia versus a Lantern. Like the Lantern's got a shield left and uh, you've got to kind of make the decision of like, you've got the Psycho Cut there so you can try and get to two Grass Knots or you can just try and confusion the thing down. And like the, the ability to, like the fact that you've got two fast moves that both perform those very handy functions can put it ahead 
of something like a zoom reel, which has bubble and then not much else. Like you're not going to run bubble and rock smash. Exactly. Something would have to very desperately happen to rock smash for that to happen. <laughs> and I don't what think it needs fast to. moves in the game? Not every fast move needs to be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. But then there was like uh, another application that I uh, put out there, which was like, um, I, th- I think a regular Whiskash against Skarmory, it's like two scolds gets it into the red. But then you got to throw a whole other charge move to, to get the KO. Whereas if you throw two skulls on it and then you can just switch to water gun and water gun it down like that would make it so dangerous. <laughs> like obviously you're not generating that energy as fast, but you you also don't need to throw the energy to KO the Pokemon. Yeah, I'm still stuck on the mechanics of it. Like what that like I'm stuck on like the user interface. Like I I'm worried that would make the screen really cluttered. I think the buttons would have to be a little smaller. Yeah. The buttons would have to I think it's pretty significantly smaller. And then just also the game breaking, because... <laughs> I bet, yeah, of course, we're assuming that the the bugs and whatnot aren't there. It's hard, that, and that's hard to picture, Fish. <laughs> that, is, that is rough to imagine for me. A, a perfectly working Pokemon Go game? <laughs> what? They've actually said, and I don't blame them, that, like, they've got other priorities apart from PvP. Like, of course, like the the game is built off of the shiny hunters, not the PVPers, at, at least at the moment. So, like, for them to put resources, time, and effort and risk into creating a new mechanic like this, it's I can't see them thinking that it's a worthwhile use of their resources, at least at the moment. Like you say. But in this, you know, imaginary world where, like the 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 where the game is all about PvP and they're willing to just do whatever they can to just make the game as as cool as possible, um, I I think it would be a really fun thing that opens up a lot more strategic possibilities that you can't currently access. Fair enough. But with that, Mister K five ten, thank you for the question. Bit of a brain teaser for us. What we have next is Brian, who sent in an email on the 19th of January, and they write in. So to start, thank you guys for what you do. I started playing Pokemon Go at the request of my little sister, and boy, I got attached to the game. For context, Pokemon Go is the only knowledge I have about Pokemon. I've been playing for about a year and sadly had to pass my sister in level as I've made it to level 43 now. Let's go. (laughs) We love to see it. To try to be succinct, a co-worker that I have known for ages also played Pokemon Go by some weird happenstance, and that is where my question stems from. So my buddy was in the military forever. He can't walk and is so freaked out by even being around strangers. When he first showed me his account, he said he liked that he could play from home and have a connection to his childhood. He showed me a feature where he could walk around and catch without leaving his house. I can walk, although I'm out of shape, to be honest. I didn't think anything of what he showed me at all. I just assumed it was a different feature until watching videos on YouTube on PVP, which, by the way, I love. And there were videos talking about how spoofers were destroying the game. I asked him about this and he admitted he used an altered app. My question and confusion is why do people care about how other people play the game? I guess I'm kind of an outsider having no understanding about Pokemon. But the way I look at it is no matter how anyone plays, I love walking my block and making new friends. I am, however, incredibly privileged to have use of my limbs and have a personality barely less better than my little sisters. 
Uh, in summation, does other people's play affect the community at large if they don't do PvP or showcases and just want to play with their friends as able-bodied people do? I hope this makes sense and this email finds you in good health. I apologize for the not very well-written email. No apologies needed. Thank you so much for Brian. That is a no, that huge, great. huge topic that really yeah. comes up in our community. So to just clarify for maybe if there, anything wasn't clear to anyone who might not have like understand what Brian is talking about. So there are for basically as long as the game has been around, there have been third party apps that have helped people to falsify their GPS location uh, slash walk around the game without actually walking around IRL. Like they, they'll have a little joystick and that'll move their character around, etc. And that's referred to as spoofing. I don't, I don't exactly know why the term is spoofing, but that's that's what we refer to as spoofers. And um, it is against the terms of service that Niantic set forth for their game. So as, like, particularly because this podcast is Niantic-affiliated, we we have to be clear, we can't endorse this behavior. Having said that, like... I totally get what you're saying about your friend and how like this is the only way that they can enjoy the game and like it just presents such a painful moral dilemma, right? Yeah, I really hear what you're saying. Spoofing is 100% it breaks the Niantic terms of service. Uh it's cheating. It's cheating mm. according to Niantic policy. It's che- it's cheating the game. However, I do like I empathize with what your friend is saying. I empathize with you with what you're saying for sure. And I think that's where a lot of people who were frustrated when we got all of these features in Pokemon Go that helped accessibility during the pandemic in 2020, our spawn distance, our spin radius, all of those were increased. Remote raids came out, just made it a lot easier for people who maybe don't want to socialize as much or people who have limited mobility made it a lot easier for them to play the game in a legitimate way. And Mm. then those were all scaled back. And that brought out a lot of frustration, especially around this idea of accessibility Uh, to the point that you were saying about how spoofers were destroying the game. I know one way that people get very frustrated with spoofers is with gyms. And people who try to play that part of the game. And mm-hmm. I can think about all the different reasons why like that gives an unfair advantage. Because people will put into a gym and spoofers can just clean it out without even being there. And just keep going back to it and sit there just from the comfort of their home. And can go all over town and clear gyms. Yeah. And how that can be very frustrating for people who are taking the time to walk to those gyms. Also people who, you know, they play a very clean game like they're not using they're not using multi accounts because all there's lots of things that I think a lot of people do that are against terms of service like having multiple accounts I think we all know people <laughs> who have multiple Pokemon Go accounts and that is against terms of service as well um, Niantic doesn't particularly love things like Kalki IV or there's just a lot like it's or very Poke complicated Genie. Genie. I know they're yeah. not huge fan, like TPCI is not a huge fan of those either. Never, I would recommend never using an, uh, an IV calculator that asks to log into Pokemon Go for you. That's that's a big no. That's yeah. like a hard no. <laughs> what about in PvP? Like, well, um, how does spoofing negatively affect PvP? 
or the PvP ecosystem? Well, let's say that there is, let's pretend, or let's go back in time when Tropius, a regional Pokemon, a region-locked Pokemon, was pretty good in PvP, had quite a spot. And people could falsify their location on the app to find a PvP IV. So I'm going to look for the 01515 Tropius. Oh, it's right here in this one remote place in Africa. I'm going to falsify my location and get it. So I have it, but the vast majority of people out there don't. That can be frustrating. Mm -hmm. Because even though for PvP, it's not just about having the right tools. There's a lot of skill expression. However... Just kind of getting the right tools without having to like work for them and grind for them isn't great either. Mm. And again, this is an official podcast. We can't endorse spoofing. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm to understand correctly, your friend Brian isn't actually participating in, in any of these behaviors. They're, they're just using the app to walk around and catch the shiny Pokemon. So we get the idea that your friend isn't hurting anyone. Like the the way your friend is engaging in the game doesn't actually have any kind of negative effect on others. But if to to the question of uh, why do people get frustrated with this behavior, then th- that's kind of your answer is is that it um it's it is classified as cheating. Like a lot of people won't do it just because it is against the terms of service, um, and so it can be frustrating seeing others who are doing it. And like to, <laughs> and it's a that, risk. I'm going to judge it. It's a risk to do it because Niantic has banned people from the game for using these third party spoofing apps. Lots of people. The reason a good reason that a lot of people don't falsify their location is that they're at risk of having their entire account deleted. Mm. I wouldn't. I have been playing this game since the day it came out. July 6th, 2016. I would do nothing <laughs> that would risk <laughs> my account being deleted by Niantic. That would be devastating to me pers- on a personal level. Yeah, yeah. So that's, in, in addition to me just wanting to, I'm a rule follower kind of by nature, like yeah. I'm the goody two-shoes. <laughs> so other than I'm just not going to break terms of service for that reason, but I, oh man, like I cannot imagine getting that notification from Niantic saying that my account has been suspended indefinitely. Oh! <laughs> yeah, that's there was a, a thing a little while ago, like, well, not that long ago, where I was seeing a lot of people on Twitter posting screenshots of that notification saying your account has been suspended and being like, I didn't do anything. Like, And like, a lot of the response to that was like, mm, didn't you? <laughs> but like, <laughs> I was I was terrified that I'd just wake up one day and get that uh, that uh, notification, and I was thinking like, oh, I did the sock trick once where I like bounced my phone up and down in a sock to like try and get K's up. Like, am I, are they going to catch me for that? Am I going to get banned for that? <laughs> it's scary because you put scary. so much time into it, and that's and that's it works like that. That method of enforcement works for yeah. Niantic. There is a way that they've designed this game to be played. It is not particularly accessible to everyone. It's just not. But that's it's their game and that's how they designed it to be, mm. which can be very frustrating for a lot of people. It sounds like your friend and for you. So thank you, Brian, for sending that in. That was a really touching topic to talk about. 
and I hope it helps you and your friend make some sense of what is happening. Let's move on to something a little more lighthearted, which comes from Maxitron2010, who sent this in on January the 25th. Maxitron says, I heard a question posed by DeFiE250 that I thought was interesting. What Pokemon would your pet be? Well, I've got a Sulcata, I believe that's pronounced, tortoise, and he's about 80 to 100 pounds or around 40 kilograms. Thank you for that conversion, Maxitron, of shell and spurs. Despite his spiny skin, he's quite like a dog in that he likes to sleep, dig holes, follow me around for food, and escape into the neighborhood from time to time. And I'm picturing the 40 kilogram tortoise <laughs> like running down the street. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm making it, making it to freedom. Um, in the past, I've dressed him up as a Blastoise because, of course, but I've been meaning to also make him a Torterra costume, a Sandworm with Freeman Rider costume from Dune, and maybe he'll get a Turtonator costume Sunday as well. If he became his own species of Pokemon, he'd definitely be at least ground type, but I don't know if he'd be a hybrid typing with rock, steel, grass, or normal. He lives in his burrow that he dug to about 20 feet deep. 20 feet deep. I, I, I know that's long. Uh, after I helped him with the first three feet or so. On cold days, which for us is like 30 degrees Fahrenheit, he goes back so far into his burrow for so long that I can't see him and don't see him for as long as the cold weather persists. That can be at least a week or so at a time. And yeah, he comes out hungry. I know that's not saying much since most Sulcata owners know that the Large Hadron Collider probably invented Sulcatas when they were trying to make mini black holes. <laughs> to do a fish-style redirect back to PvP, I was thinking about the turn-based mechanics, and I think I don't understand fast-move denial very well. I know way back in the day you wanted to throw some moves back-to-back -back because it was advantageous. Is there still fast-move denial? What role does it play, or which charge attacks utilize it better? Could you use an example from a recent matchup to tell me? I'm trying to be better at counting all fast moves and paying attention to my gamer sense on when to swap or throw, but I think better understanding that will help me advance. I was thinking about the Scrafty comment from 153, and unfortunately I don't remember what the Scrafty comment is. I bet they're going to give Scrafty Icy Wind or Mystical Fire in the coming season, because why not? Polyrath already had Ice Punch, but another ice move that debuffs doesn't destabilize things at all. Better yet, it'll get Trailblaze so it can hit back at Azumarill and still get that sweet, sweet attack buff Pup wishes it was still good for. I still remember the ramping damage that Pup was good for. I'll go now and join my tortoise in his burrow. Here's some pictures, and yeah, he's got an Instagram you can share and check out, Maxitron. Have you checked out the pictures, Diva? I will do that right now. I googled the African spurred tortoise. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, it's eating a watermelon. <laughs> All right, and sharing it with a uh, Caracosta. No, no. I, uh, what's the what's the one down from that? The um... Tortuga. Oh, Tortuga. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, he's sharing a watermelon with a Tortuga. Oh, and the other one is a video of the Blastoise. Oh, that I haven't seen. Hang on, let me check that out. So the second link. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. So he's got just. A couple of boxes and pipes strapped to like or tied with string to his back. <laughs> I'm sure he loves it. That's <laughs> Look phenomenal. At him. He's loving it. Thank you so much, Maxitron, for sharing about your tortoise. That is very fun. <laughs> I love that. Have we discussed what 
Pokemon Misty would be? Your dog? I think we talked about it on the other episode, how yeah, I think yeah. of her as kind of like a Lycanroc or a rock rough. Yeah. But she's also incredibly... It just depends on her personality, like on her mood at the moment, because sometimes she's a sleepy Snorlax. And sometimes like right now, she is running around and pawing at my chair saying, mom, 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 you're not paying enough attention to me. And that is very much not like a sleepy Snorlax. <laughs> so uh, she is very much just she's a puppy uh that hangs out with me while i record so i i love her and i love kind of talking about it but fish tell us about fast move denial and i think that might lead to damage registration error which is Mm, the current the current yes the modern fast move denial so fast move denial was an unintentional mechanic that was in the game for a while like when the game first came out the intention was for if a Pokemon were to throw a charge move at the same time as the other Pokemon were to begin their next fast move, then the fast move would go through as the charge move is getting hit. And then like the damage and energy would apply to the respective Pokemon after the charge move had completed. Um, with the problems that the game was dealing with back then, what would happen is that person A would throw their charge move and it wouldn't allow person B to throw that fast move. And that was called a denial. And look, I heard some people disputing that this was the case. And I don't think we ever got uh, like actual empirical evidence that this was the case, but the understanding was that a lot of it had to do with ping times. So like people in Australia and India were heavily affected by this, whereas people in America weren't as much because uh, the information from their phones was getting to the Niantic servers and back a lot faster than what it was getting from, you know, the Indian and Australian phones and any other country that was affected by this phenomenon. Since the interlude season, that has been effectively coded out of the game. It is extremely rare these, as far as I can tell, it's extremely rare these days to be denied. And it's not something that you can force. Because that was the other thing with denial, and that's why it was such a big deal. It was it was something that you could actually uh, recreate at will. You could force a denial by the way you tapped the screen at like in the right sequence. Whereas nowadays you can't do that which means it's not something that I would even worry about these days. It's just not a thing that will affect you in your day-to-day like it used to. So fish, fast, so fast move denial, not really a thing anymore. However, the current topic that is all over the place, it was kind of a big deal in Knoxville this weekend, which is DRE, which people have labeled the new mechanic. That was kind of its name for a while, but the official name for it what it is called is dre or damage registration error and that is where originally when the game first came out the intention was for if the last turn of a fast move occurred at the same time as a player is trying to throw a charge move the damage for the fast move would take priority so if it was the last fast move that was required to KO a Pokemon and they tried to throw a charge move on the last turn of that of that fast move, 
then they would not be able to get off that charge move. They would faint before they could throw the charge move. After interlude season, Niantic actually like uh, put somewhere in their literature that uh, one of the changes that had been made was that that had been reversed, that uh, Pokemon would be able to throw their charge move and that would take priority over the damage applying of the fast move. So say like your opponent's got Talon Flame, uh, it's a five-turn move, you're desperately throwing Shadow Claws on your Trevenant to get to a Shadow Ball, and you get there at the same time that you can throw that charge move on the last turn of their Incinerate. What they said was that now the Shadow Ball would throw first and you'd get that win. In practice, we found that was not really happening. It was uh, it was very inconsistent and kind of unpredictable whether the charge move would throw or the fast move would register. So when we refer to damage registration error, it means that the damage from the fast move has applied when it shouldn't. And I think like it's what I find interesting about that is that like in my experience, the damage takes priority over the charge move like nine times out of ten. And so, like, they're all DREs, um, but maybe you can Which shed a bit more light on that. Which is the intended behavior, according well, to Niantic, no, right? No, sorry. The, um, the, the intended behavior, according to my understanding, is that the charge move should throw first, not the damage from the, from the fast move. Sorry, yes, that is. This is confusing. Yeah, cool. yeah, By the right. way, <laughs> we're talking about this because it's confusing, and it's confusing for a lot of people in the community, especially because for a lot of people, it seems to happen about 50% of the time. Like yeah. 50% of the time, you're going to throw your charge move. 50% of the time, you're going to faint with your charge move ready to go. Yeah. So it's not at all consistent. It doesn't seem to be at all consistent, which is what is confusing. So I'll say it, I'm going to say the quote again as my understanding the intended behavior is that you should always get the charge attack off. You should all the charge attack should always apply first and before takes priority the fast move, over the fast, move, fast damage. move damage. So at the moment the current uh, there was a controversial moment in a recent regional championship. I don't know if we talked about this at the time but there was a game that went to review because of that damage registration being a factor in whether a, a trainer won or lost. And I th- think the match was eventually reversed. And a lot of the commentary I was hearing was like, this is a pretty big can of worms to open, guys, because a lot of battles are affected by this. And like, are you going to re- reverse every single one? Or like, is every uh, situation equal like is uh yeah like you're setting a precedent here that is pretty hard to maintain and kind of tangenting off of that and then i think that's probably where we're gonna wrap today there was a match uh you'll if you look in knoxville it was a match with valor ash and i think i want to talk about that a little bit Mm -hmm. and mostly the the message that i think is important from that is that what's frustrating is niantic isn't giving us consistent up-to-date guidance on how some of these functions should be working in very clear, easy-to-understand terms for everyone. And also, like, 
what they do say like this was a while ago that they said this like is that still the plan like we're not getting those updates which is frustrating and that makes it hard in the competitive scene so like you said like when there's a match goes under review people get really confused and they get frustrated and they lash out uh there was a match with valor ash didn't have anything to do with dre i believe it just had to do with leg but when people get frustrated about this Sometimes what they'll do on social media is they'll attack judges and like personally, like go after the judge that they saw on stage and make personal Who are usually members of the community as well. Like they're dedicated battlers themselves. Yes. And I just want to share the message really quick that that's never okay. And Valor Ash has come out on social as well saying it's okay to provide constructive criticism of judges' decisions when they're not aligned with the rules or if the rule is wrong and we need to fix the rules then that's okay. Like give that constructive criticism, but it is never okay to harass or personally target the judges themselves. Please be above that. And I really just Mm -hmm. want to take a moment because I really respect that statement Yeah, that we either need to have another look at the rule book, or we need to look at uh, maybe how some of the judges, like some of the, the information that the judges are given and making sure everybody's on the same page. Like all of those things need to happen and especially that communication from Niantic. But being mad at the judges and harassing judges is never, ever okay. And I really want to make sure, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I got to that point today and it, I did, wasn't sure where to put it. And <laughs> this is where I'm going to put is it. it. Yeah, <laughs> this no, is I it. This is going to be that spot. Um, <laughs> this is an excellent place to place your soapbox. Um I can I can relate to it actually because uh, you you'd probably be aware I don't know how many uh, like listeners are aware that I used to be a football umpire or, or referee at a a reasonably high level as well um and it always made me so so angry how normalized it would be for everyone to just take their aggression out on the game's impartial adjudicators (laughs) like it's it's a big reason why i'm not doing it anymore because like anything that just went against a team their supporters would be hurling abuse at me (laughs) like no matter how obvious the the penalty was like uh, i would always cop so much abuse for that and so i can actually completely relate to the behavior being directed at these judges for this game because like i think it's just normalized behavior for us to to do that to direct that aggression at the people who who are like unbiased and they're just trying to you know make sure we've got a good game happening right and if the rules aren't again i cannot say enough if the rules aren't clear and the rules aren't written well or the rules aren't up to date and the judges have to enforce those rules, that's not the judge's fault. Mm. That is never the judge's fault, and harassing them is never okay. Then we need to put pressure on Niantic. We need to put pressure on TPCI to fix those issues for our judges because Go is growing. Like We are having more participation in Go this season than last season. Do you know what that means we're going to need? More judges. (laughs) When we harass judges... (laughs) You know, there'll be less of... You know, yeah, they're going to be less judges, which means we can't run bigger tournaments. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. And it's definitely yeah. like, that's my soapbox. You said it exactly right, Fish. It is 
never okay to go after individual people, harass, you know, terrorize on social media. Be better. Do better. Like, I like how Valorash said, please be above that. Totally. Good on him. Good on him. Good on all of you who know that. And I know I'm probably not, I'm probably preaching to the choir, but (laughs) that's my soapbox moment because it it makes me angry. Makes I, me angry. I'll be I'll be there standing behind the soapbox cheering you on. <laughs> so, all right, that's our mailbag. I did say that was a lighthearted way to finish it off. It didn't <laughs> it took a dark turn. <laughs> but uh, we're going to get back into the lighthearted stuff with some shout-outs. We've got some people to, we're, like, we're going to celebrate their achievements. These are people on the Pallet Town server, which is a community that I run, and the GoCast Discord server. So in Pallet Town, we have we, we haven't re- read these out for like a couple of weeks now, so there's a few. Trainer Ronald has hit expert. Getsu Fractal has finished their seasonal research. Duck Ice Seventeen hit an all-time peak elo of twenty three thirty nine. Staffordshire Twelve has hit level forty nine and ace. Timurap hit a peak for the season of twenty nine seventy six. CM Wizard Fourteen hit veteran. Jai loves Latinas hit legend. And, and that's it for the Palatown um, in the GoCast server. Giraffachu has hit Legend, and Motters competed in his first ever play Pokemon tournament, finishing second, which he did not expect to do. And there was some, I think he said there was some some pretty good uh, quality competition as well. So well done to Motters. DeFi, do you have anything to plug? Nope. I've, I took the entire month of January off after streaming a bunch in December and doing that fundraiser. I still have a couple incentives to give out for the awesome fundraiser we did for Doctors Without Borders. I haven't forgotten. Uh, I just I needed to take a good chunk of time off for me uh, just because I have a lot going on in my personal life. However, I am really hoping to get back to it this month, uh, especially I want to be streaming or doing something during the Catch Cup time, February 16th to the 23rd, play a different game maybe on Twitch, do yeah. some variety stuff. So I'm hoping to get back to it because I love streaming. I love being able to share that little bit of my life with people. So hoping to get back to it. I'm just I'm not super happy with the metas right now. It kind of makes it hard <laughs> to get real motivated <laughs> to get yeah. back into yeah. it but we'll see i i'm really excited for march as well so maybe we'll kind of take some baby steps in in february and hopefully by march new season maybe some new updates i think that might get me a little more motivated to get back on twitch and for me it is just the breakdown of evolution cup the complete breakdown of evolution cup we do these every time a new meta comes in i'll be doing it with lyle jeff's on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. So if you missed it, because this usually comes out after that, <laughs> then um, check out the VOD on the Palatown PvP YouTube channel. We'll also have the six-minute version being posted up there as well. And we are also doing shorts that go up on TikTok and YouTube as well that are just a one-minute version. So we're getting, like, all this content out of the out of the same thing. We're getting the, the large stream, the, the hour-long, hour-and-a-half-long stream. We're getting the six-minute version, and we're getting the one-minute version as well. The, check those out. And with that, we love hearing your feedback. If you have 
suggestions or questions for myself or for Fish, you can always direct your feedback to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com. You can also send us a voicemail or physical mail to the GoCast P.O. Box. In the show description, you can find the P.O. Box address. You can find the phone number there. In the show description, you can also click on More Fish or More DeFi-E to find other ways to contact us. Discord, TikTok, all of that good stuff that Fish was just talking about, that would be the right place to find it. Also, don't forget to have a listen to the other two shows in our podcast feed. You can always listen to the main GoCast podcast with Chris and Kyle to get news tips and community in the world of Pokemon Go. That's a great place to start. And also the newest addition to the family, which is Star Piece. You can check out the episode where Lachlan and Chris interviewed Ian Waterfall, a YouTuber and co-host of the Incensed podcast. And with that... We'll chat next week. Bye.